Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today on the show, we have RPA expert, Bryant Richards. He is the director for the Center for Intelligent Process Automation at Nichols College. But that doesn't mean that Bryant doesn't have an audit background. He was the director of corporate governance at the Mohegan Tribal Gaming Authority, where he was responsible for internal audit, compliance, and record retention. And he also holds his CIA. Some of the topics we talk about are RPA use cases, that are suited perfectly for internal audit. Uh, the reason I say it like that is Bryant published an article with Audit Board um, in May titled, Internal Auditors Are Uniquely Suited to Be Great at RPA. So we have included a link to that in the show notes. Um, so if you don't have time to listen to anything other than literally that part of the show, at least go check out that article that we have linked in the show notes. We also talk about the balance between using the tech and auditing the tech. It's a topic that comes up a decent amount with data analysts within internal audit. We build a thing, we hand it over to management. Is there some kind of independence issue when we do that, et cetera? And so Bryant gives his thoughts on that. Um, we also talk about how Bryant is getting his students ready for the audit profession. And since he is a teacher and teaches and coaches and trains um, students wanted to get his thoughts as well on how we can apply the way Bryant teaches his students RPA advanced technology um, to today's auditors and then we also talk about the best ROI for RPA here we go um, all right if you're in a bad mood and you hear this song, what song would it be that would pull you out of that bad mood? Ooh. Let the Bodies Hit the Floor by Drowning Pool. <laughs> okay. That's a unique one. We haven't had that one before. Okay. No. A little, uh, little maybe too authentic on that one, but that's true. Yeah. No, that is one that um, if it's on, you kind of turn it up a little bit, roll the windows up, make sure nobody's looking around, and then you start maybe doing a little, um, head bobbing and all right. Oh yeah. Uh, what's your favorite tool? And this could be like, we've had one person say a leaf blower. A lot of people have said pen and pad, um, phone. One person this said car. So easy. So easy. Whiteboard. I yeah. live with whiteboards. If I don't, I mean, whiteboards everywhere. It's my happiest place. Um, yeah. Whiteboard. Okay. 
uh, as evidenced by the whiteboard in your background right now. Whiteboard. Yeah. Yep. All right. We used to ask, what makes your brain happy? Whiteboards. I feel like whiteboards <laughs> would be the answer for you. Okay. All right. And chocolate and coffee. Obviously. Chocolate's good. Coffee. No, coffee. Coffee number one. Okay. What, um, I have a friend that will, she'll like buy me, she'll try a new chocolate. She likes it. She buys it. She gives it to me. And so similarly, I've got a four-year-old son. We were at the store the other day and we're going to go meet uh, my friend here in a couple of weeks. And I was like, Porter, pick out your favorite chocolate. And so he picked his out. And then I found mine was a symphony bar as a kid. That was my favorite one. And so uh, my friend has never had that before. So I got one of those. So we're going to give it to her. So all that said, do you have a recommended chocolate? Oh, I, I, I don't. I, um, no, I don't. Okay. I, I think um, almost all chocolate is good chocolate, depending on the mood. I, I love, I love all versions of chocolate as long as it's quality chocolate. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm gonna throw uh, Lindor truffles out there though. Then sure, um, yeah, the good. regular ones. I was never like a big chocolate person. I didn't understand it when people were like, "I'm a chocoholic." I was like, "I mean, it's fine," but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. And then somebody gave me a Lindor truffle uh, as like a Christmas thing maybe five years ago. And after I ate that, I was like, Oh, this is what you're talking about. Like good chocolate. That's what, that's, that's what you're talking about. Not like a regular Hershey's bar, but like legit good stuff. Okay. Yeah. I got to tell you though, sometimes I, I think chocolate's all mood dependent. I've had a Hershey's bar the other day with peanut butter and I just have, I don't need a lot of that stuff. And um, yeah, that was, that was pretty amazing. I, I still remember that day and how I felt. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might have been a year since I'd had a chocolate bar or, or peanut butter for that matter. Yeah. Um, but it was, that was impressive. And that was just Hershey's. So okay. I'll take it. Okay. All right. If you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and say, will you please just do this one thing? What would that be? Oh God, start your automation journey. Uh, I'm not even telling you how to do it. Just start it. All right. So we are here to talk um, RPA, robotic process automation. And we've done enough of these, like we've talked about RPA a decent amount, but for those that maybe they haven't heard it, um, heard those episodes, just a, a brief, what is RPA? And then we have some kind of follow-up questions to that. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Uh, robotic process automation is... Um, it's a, it's a powerful set of tools um, that, did, that take digital information, whether it's a click or a, a field, and just allow you to connect it and frankly do what you want with it, uh, as long as it's based off logical rules. Um, so you can automate your clicks, you can automate uh, moving data, formatting data, um, you can automate structuring certain types of data that isn't already structured. And in a really bad way, but useful way to sort of say what RPA is, is it's Excel macros, but, but the power of these Excel macros is way beyond Excel. It now goes to almost any digital information across nearly any system. And so it's, it's not necessarily a new concept in that basically this automates tasks for you. But instead of having to be like a programmer, um, like a somewhat technical person can pick up RPA because it's got a little more drag and drop type functionality. It's a little easier to use for the um, maybe less technical non-programming type person. Is that fair? 
Yeah, hundred percent. I'd like to go a little bit more on that too, because I think Blue Prism may have coined the term RPA, which I'm glad they did, because it separates from just automation or OCR or all these tools that have been available for 20, 30 years in different forms. And what happens with these tools is I do believe they're they're special and different, even though they kind of do the same things, because in a lot of ways they're they're combined together. They're they're much more inexpensive. Um, they work really well for the most part, uh, and they are, in most cases, if you talk to the blue prisms, especially the UI paths, especially nice power automate, you, you know, you get to some of these top tier tools, they're extremely accessible to the business user. They're, they're, they're intended for the business user. Yeah. And they have been around. There's a um, colleague of mine who probably 20 years ago, like we were talking RPA at some point. Um, and he's like, that's been around for like 20. I think the tool was called auto mate is the one that he used to use. He's like, yeah, that was, that was around like 20 years ago. It's just a, almost, I, guess, I didn't realize the blue prism background and they coined RPA is the term. Um, but I thought that was, that was interesting. He's like, yeah, it's been around for a long time. It's not super new. Yeah. Kieran Gilmari is a colleague of mine. Uh, we work with a lot and Kieran's been in the industry for quite some time doing this. He loves this. And, um, I think he said he built his first spot in 2000. Okay. So that's it. But I mean, Kieran's, Kieran's not a business person. Kieran, Kieran's comes on the computer science. You know, he's an IT guy, to, uh, or at least that's where he, his background comes from. Yeah. So yeah. the IT people had access to this stuff right. for quite some time. Yeah. And he was like a CISO at a credit union or, or local bank. So that would make sense. All right. Yeah. I know when we talked uh, for the first time, you said that internal audit is suited perfectly for RPA. Why is that? Wow. So there's there's, uh, there's a lot of really good reasons for that. That the, the simple uh, high level is the skills that are needed to successfully deploy, analyze, create automations um, are things that we do very well because of the consultative nature, the risk-based nature, um, and the process-focused and data-focused nature of our roles. And you could say that you know um, that spreads through you know, throughout the accounting field in, in different uh, amounts, but internal audit really hits the sweet spot. Uh, in order to really understand and deploy RPA successfully, you have to be logically minded. You have to understand process and data. You have to think in flow charts and, and, and you know, walkthroughs and stuff like that, which is just stuff we live in, you know. Um, you have to see uh, what data is and where it comes from, from a source level, you have to be comfortable with that. You have to know that this number represents all of these things, which is um, something um, that is, is true uh, to what we do. But you also have to have a fair amount of business acumen. You have to understand projects and how projects you know, work and, and, and how to run projects. Um, you have to be able to communicate or uh, analyze and assess across processes, across departments. So you have to be able to sort of see if something happens in marketing, what, what changes when it goes to maybe purchasing or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're building an automation, what you find is that the people who have this background, they have the same learning curve on the tool, but very quickly things click because they have that context of all these things. And when you don't have those contexts, you find that you know people can learn the tool, but they struggle truly understanding um, more so. So folks in, um, in internal audit are really well positioned to, to do this. In fact, uniquely suited um, to do this well. Um, 
And I think, um, you know, the final thing I'd say on that is their risk-based approach to, you know, controls and, and cost benefit and stuff um, also make them very responsible stewards of deploying automation mm -hmm. successfully. Uh, I like that you mentioned context. That's something that I discovered as I was doing analytics for internal auditors, I would just go, yep, here's the results. And then I would come back and go, ah, what'd you do with that? And they'd be like, yeah, I didn't understand what that was. And so it's like, oh, okay. Uh, and then so context, we, we pretty quickly realized that context is pretty key. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We wanna say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. All right, let's, I think, get into the good stuff. Um, all this has been great so far. <laughs> Not to say that it wasn't, but uh, I love hearing about use cases. Um, we actually published an episode of the Audit Podcast recently that was just use cases of like coolest stuff you've built with data, coolest stuff you've built with RPA. Um, so what are some some use cases that you've seen internal audit adopt that maybe we'll provide some additional context to, oh yeah, we could do that. Um, that's a good idea. Or we could take that sliver of an idea and we could create an RPA around this thing. So what are, what are some good use cases? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot, but there's in every, and I wonder if the same is with analytics, which is a little different strategy, but with, with RPA, every department or every organization is going to have various types of use cases and there's going to be a few home runs mm -hmm. and those home runs usually aren't so hard to set up. You know, everybody's happy when they're done and you get a huge ROI and they work pretty well. And then of course, you know, if we're playing the baseball game, you know, you get your singles, your doubles, your triples, but you always want to aim for your home runs. Yeah. And I would tell you that your home runs are almost always going to be user access. Anybody who has a, a complex sort of manual user access review and manual could still be using Excel where you're still sort of eyeballing things or you're, you know, you're going through 10,000, you know, users or something and you're, you're, you're triaging which go where. Um, what you'll find is that the home run use case uh, in internal audit seems to be any kind of user access review, um, whether physical or, or um, logical um, using the systems. Um, that's where I would definitely start with that. Uh, the next round of use cases tend to be anything reconciliation or compliance focused basis, depending on, you know, what you have digitized in your organization. But you'll find that the easiest way to consider this is, and I had my students create this to prove it to an organization. If you take an automation and you pull out a call out, um, and Nice Automation Studio has a really cool feature. Uh, UiPath um, has, has one too. I think they all kind of have this, it's the pop-up, right? Mm -hmm. And you take that call out and you create the test script for your compliance in that call out and then you pull your data into the system through that call out and do all your logical you know, attributes. If A, check this, if B, check this, if C, check this. And what you'll find is that in most compliance tests, you're gonna have a lot of these that the, the system can do. Once you can get that, those type of tests um, into that you know, sort of conceptual space and see it, 
what you realize very quickly is that you have a fair amount of ROI on those, although some manual intervention will be required, investigation and things like that. And, and that can even be automated to the point where it's easier for the person. Yeah. But what you'll find is very quickly, you look at this and you go, okay, now I can see how we can get to 100% auditing too. Um, and I'd say that those are your, depending on your organization and the type of compliance you have, you'll find that there's pieces of those tests in everybody's different, you know, whether it's financial audits or compliance audits, they exist. Yeah. And that would be, I would say, your next closest thing to a home run. Okay. And this this might not be home run, but this is the use case, the first use case that I ever um, came up with for using it. Um, so we had this very fancy, nice um, P card analytic that we ran, but the data was in like a third party. You had to go through like their website, fill in the form or the the fields that you wanted, the the length, you know, I want the last month or whatever. And you had to go in there every month, pull that down. And then after that, you could kick off a script. It would pull the data in. It was great and wonderful. Um, and so that's when I was like, you know what? I think RPA would be cool here. And what we could do is we could kick this thing off, you know, whatever, five days after the end of the month. And it'll go out to this website. It'll fill in all the forms because it's it's the same. You fill it in the same way every time. You just adjust the date. Um, it'll push the button for you. It'll download and then it'll kick off my other script. And so um, I found a lot of benefit in doing that. If nothing else, if you only have one of those, it's not that you know crazy big a deal to manually go in there every month. But the more those like continuous monitoring solutions that you build, the more you have to like you want to automate as much as possible because then you just end up doing maintenance on them or doing some kind of manual work each month or each quarter to to get those going. So I uh, I took it, I think I had like a 30-day trial with this software, RPA software. I took it as far as I could. I got to a stopping point. I was like, I just, uh, I can't figure this out right now. So I emailed the sales rep and I said, look, if you can get one of your techs on a call with me on a Zoom call and just show me how to do this one thing, I'll buy it. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. Uh, so they came on. I said, this is what I'm trying to do. And he went, click, 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 click. Let's say you do it. And I went, sweet. That's it. Send me an invoice and I'll buy it. Um, and so we used it uh, ever since. So I, I, I like that as a data analyst that needs access, trying to get access to data, sometimes from third parties can be difficult. And so that's one of my favorite use cases as an uh, analyst anyway. Oh, I, I love that one. I do. And, and, and data analytics, I just came back from the international conference in Chicago oh. and talking to, we give a workshop there and talking to a lot of folks and data analytics tends to be um, a great use case for a lot of organizations. And it's not that home run where it's like, wow, we just right. saved, you know, thousands of hours. Um, but it is valuable in terms of hours. I had one organization who, you know, when they actually added up all of their data analytics, they were like, oh, this isn't going to be much, but it was, it was not only accessing the data it was actually it, they'd get it and then they'd format it consistently mm -hmm. each time right and so they added it all out up and they ended up with like 300 hours a year that they yeah. saved that was going to be done in 10 minutes a month or a week i forget yeah, which yeah. one it was and and you know that 300 hours means a lot especially to the types of folks doing that work because you know you usually don't have enough of those folks right um and and the um yeah that um the speed of which you can turn around the analytics actually um, improve. So I, I love that use case too. I've heard a lot about use cases that, um, in that area. That's a Those really good point. Uh, when you're talking about like, if there's a, um, a skills gap or you have like a specialty skill set, like a data analyst where kind of like every hour matters, not that they don't for the auditors, but uh, kind of to your point, 
when you can save 300 hours in a year, I mean, that's a lot when you have somebody uh, that's a specialist in an area, you get more from them. Yeah. And, and trying how many, I mean, you, you, you know, how many groups do you find that really have the, the entire team isn't data analytics savvy. Like there's usually the one person or the, or, you know, right? so if you're lucky, they have one person or it's half a person. Right. Yeah. So it's, and, and, and it's funny because we, and this is a shame we should, I'm sure you'd love to talk about this, but I don't think we invest in our data analytics enough. Um, but yet at the same time, I'm finding organizations value them tremendously. So they do want them fast. They do value them and they want them, but they don't necessarily have the resources to get them out. So sure. You didn't save the 2000 staff hours that, you know, on the user access thing, but arguably the 300 hours you saved on data analytics time might be more valuable. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, so what about you were talking about the user access reviews and that's a great use case, but are you talking about doing that from the perspective, the perspective of testing that or of aggregating that data, pulling it and providing it to management or working with management to go, Hey, you guys spend so much time doing this. Have you considered RPA? So I guess what, what's the balance between using RPA and auditing RPA? Yeah. So we're having a great conversation in the profession on this, especially with some of the leaders. What we're finding is that the same, the same discussion. So in this case, what we've learned from data analytics can apply, mm -hmm. um, which is we're always going to use data analytics and internal audit if we're wise. It's, 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 it's such a valuable tool, but sometimes, and, and I'm sure you've seen this, um, we create an analytic to go review something and, and support the business. And then very quickly, the business is like, Hey, um, what if I ran that analytic yeah. and now they want it. Right. And then you're just checking on them, so to speak, or you run it when you need it, or you just pull from them, but really the business sees the more value in it. I, I think we're going to find the same with automation in a lot of cases with the user access. Um, I love this example of um, someone, every, every organization I've gone to never gets their terms right. They always miss a term. They, you know, the, the, the HR system doesn't tie perfectly. Yep. And I don't know, who cares if so-and-so left the organization and we didn't shut them off quite. It's not a critical termination. So they end up failing the test. We, we have to go explore it. And, you know, and all this, all this stuff that, you know, just creates waste. Well, the uh, IT organization set up Alexa when they'd come in to say, something about, you know, with the, when the terms, they'd say, please term the following people. And then it would say those names, you know? So I, I think um, the organization I've worked for, when they do their term testing, um, you know, the, the power of that testing is coming alive because we're doing a thousand, a hundred percent of the samples and we could do it very easily. Now that information is very valuable to the organization and there's no reason we can't run it every day for them. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I, I think there's a, there's a double whammy of value. That's that if the uh, internal auto organization leads this, if they happen to be the ones who, um, who are leading, um, you know, the wins for the business for sure will be coming. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of even kind of going back to like use cases, uh, power automate, I believe has like a library and that's free, right? Power automates the Microsoft tool it's free. And so you could kind of dip your toe in, and they have these automations kind of pre-built in this library or this catalog uh, would probably be a better way to say it. And so you can pull those down and kind of play around with them. Is that right? Yeah. And I got to tell you, this is, this is the sort of the vision we're pushing for here in terms of accessibility is let's go, you know, create automations that the nonprofits need or, or the audit groups need or the, you know, and sort of contribute to this body of knowledge when then we'll just, well, I'll just grab it. I mean, maybe there's some real important intellectual property, but when you look at these things, you know, I'm, they're, they're not, they're, they're not deep intellectual property. They're not that hard to build. 
However, if there's a nice catalog or a library, which, you know, Power Automate's done, I know PwC's built up a strong one, hmm. um, you know, now it's just plug and play and tweak. And uh, I, I think that's a great space for the business user to be in. Yeah, that's what we found with, so we, over the years, whenever I see some kind of new audit analytic type test, we have a catalog, we go in there and catalog it. And so that way, when somebody goes, hey, we're looking at P cards, we click on the P card filter and here's all the P card stuff you could do to help give them even just some ideas of, of what to do. And so that's that's helped make it click or stick a little bit more for some of the folks that we work with. But what um, what can auditors, other folks do to kind of like get the light bulb to turn on relative to RPA? So in my experience, you have to engage. Um, you don't have to engage a lot, but you have to engage a little. I, learning data analytics required some um, experience for me, but when it was explained to me, when I went to presentations, when people showed it, you know, and, you know on the, on the, um, from the IA or stuff, you know, you, you kind of got a sense for what it was and you understood because you used Excel and we've mm -hmm. all kind of done some level of analytics. RPA doesn't click very well for people until they see it and experience it. Um, my message to the profession is go build one bot or something, right? Like go have someone in your department, build something small, grab Power Automate if you have it for free and go go send out um, a doc request email that you, you wish was just automatically sent every month and just do something simple that costs nothing and start getting a taste and a feel for this. Um, for some reason, this tool just seems a little foreign to us. It's mm -hmm. not part of our training that we go through in our years and it requires experiencing it before it clicks but it doesn't take a lot of experience but just just some experience and you mentioned training i know you work with a lot of students how are you getting those students ready for the audit profession yeah so um to be honest right now it's almost um we've uh well we, we mapped our program frankly to the to the guidance from the iaa the cma and the uh um yeah, ICPA, and we found that the, we had a lot of tech gaps about five, six years ago, mm. and we upgraded that. We talked to some industry, and we plugged in a lot of classes and a lot of experiences along the way that get them savvy. Um, when when I started, uh, I think maybe six years ago, we had no technology in any of our programs um, for accounting, and now um, you know there's Excel in every class. There's, I think we literally teach six different tools. Nice. Um, and one of them is RPA and it's not, and, and we got a lot of feedback from industry. It's, you know, they don't care about which tool. Um, but everybody who's, who's really leading in this space says, teach them multiple tools. We don't care if you teach them the ones we use, but once they get enough, uh, exposure, um, they'll be, they'll, they'll flip to, to whatever we're teaching very quickly. And we found that to be true, which I think sort of parrots my, my message on, on learning RPA, even just a little bit. You know, go and take a bot camp for a day and just build a few bots or, you know, have someone on your team build something. And, and what you find very quickly is that all of that context and knowledge I was talking about earlier fills in. Um, and then, you know, people can decide what level of expertise they need on this. But a lot of folks who've been around, um, they don't have to be good at building the bots. They just have to understand enough about the bots to think in terms of what they can do. Yeah. And, and, and frankly, what risks they're going to cause, right, which is the next level. Yeah. So with those, like you teach students tech. Mm -hmm. um, and so other auditors need to learn tech. 
So as a teacher, like how could we apply the way you teach your students? How could we apply that to today's auditors? Yeah, so we're, we're very experiential. And this generation that I'm working with is very technological savvy. They learn through tech and they're very experiential. I, I think that translates fairly well, um, although with different folks, um, you might need to provide a little more upfront, a little more discussion, a little more prep. Uh, but you know, the, the easiest way to teach folks is to literally have them create a bot from instructions. Um, the younger generations likes the videos. Some of the older generation tends to like it written out. Mm. Um, but just starting from here's a, here's a recipe, go bake a cake, right? Um, and, and, and that starts them. And then soon after we find that once they've seen it and touched it a little bit, the tool, and they're not afraid of the tool anymore, or at least they're exposed to the tool, they're ready to hear things about, okay, so let's talk about what variables are. Let's talk about you know, logical concepts and constructs and maybe fill in some vocabulary that you're not familiar with. And then we put you back in the tool and we make you bake another cake. Mm -hmm. and, and, and very quickly, um, you know, depending on how much expertise the person needs, um, you find that you can set them off on their own to have that blank screen experience to say, okay, now go, I don't know, set up a doc request automation and they realize they can. Yeah. And at that point, you know, 90% of the industry and the profession is probably good enough, right? Yeah. Like, Oh, I, I can think like this. I get it enough. I can move forward. And then the other 10% is probably going to really want to dig in and, and get good at it. Yeah. I think the, the one that kind of stood out for me years ago was being able to schedule the timing of when my email would go out. <laughs> And so instead of, cause nobody wants to be emailed at 11 o'clock at night or whatever. And everybody has different times that they like to work for me. That works for me. I like working later as opposed to earlier. Um, it's just, a, you know, whatever it makes my brain happy to do it that way. Um, but I didn't want to <laughs> email somebody at 11 o'clock cause they're going to wake up the next day and go, Oh my God, this guy's up till 11. Like, am I supposed to stay up that late too? Or like, what's the, and so anyway, um, I will and have schedule emails to go out just the next morning at a you know, reasonable time um, just so they don't have that, you know, impression. So that was one of the first things that I went, oh, this is kind of cool. And that's RPA ish, you know, it's a job mm -hmm. schedule type thing. Um, yeah. But it was better than the alternative of I would literally save the email as a draft, wake up the next day and then go push the button to send it out. I like that. I, lo I love that example too, because I, th I think it's a brilliant gateway example into what we're talking about. Like the next steps really aren't that much more complicated, but if you jump to those next steps first, it, it, it feels a little intimidating for a lot of folks. Yeah. So if you're on, um, let's say Outlook, I know you can automate your emails to go out. So maybe if you're, you know, Friday, 430 and you're like, nobody's going to read this, schedule it to go out Monday morning instead. All right, Bryant. Well, it has been a fantastic conversation for multiple reasons. Uh, the context you gave, the use cases you gave, and then some actual like, hey, this is how you could actually do this and how you can actually get started. Um, so you kind of checked all the boxes as far as like what I look for in a guest. Uh, those are those are the boxes. So I appreciate that. Uh, but I did, did want to give you a minute here uh, at the end to um, uh, to leave the audience with whatever it is that you would like to do. So Bryant, what would you like to leave the audience with? Uh, Trent, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate the opportunity as well. Uh, we at Nichols College and the Center for Intelligent Process Automation are making our mission, uh, accessibility and participation for emerging technology. We are trying to bridge the gap between business and technology. And as such, and with my love for the profession, um, we are happy to support uh, those folks out there on internal audit uh, with their needs. Um, so by all means, please 
feel free to reach out to us at sipa.nichols at nichols.edu. Um, we're happy to respond and support you in how we can. And in addition to that, I'd love to make a recommendation for a book uh, that a colleague of mine and one of our research fellows wrote, uh, The A to Z of Organizational Digital Transformation. Um, for those of you who are not considering yourself technical people, it is a great guide to scan through, review, you'll catch up on terms, you'll catch up on technology, and it'll literally fast track you through some of the noise and nonsense that you might be hearing or, or worried about it in this space. It's a very useful guide. I think you can pick it up 10, to, 10 bucks digital through Amazon. Um, well worth it. All right. And I lied. So uh, there's a new checkbox for the show. Good book recommendations as well. So now you're four for four and you added one that I didn't even know was one. There we go. I love right. it. Thanks, Brian. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.